Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilde, TV host by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night, and a health and a life coach always. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Come hang out as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely going to be some laughing. And hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthiest hot life. Brought to you by Clarence. Oh, Julia, it's so good to have you on the Healthy is Hot podcast. We are big fans of you and all that you do. So I just want to say a big thank you before we get started. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't know that there was such a thing as an eating disorder recovery coach. And I want to start. And once I learned about you and and kind of did a bit of a deep dive, I realized, well, of course, of course, there are coaches that focus on this because there are so many individuals that have struggled Mm -hmm. with eating disorders or disordered eating. And sometimes a coach, you know, I've had a coach, it is it's different than any other relationship. It's different than a therapist, Mm -hmm. which I have, and I'm a huge fan of therapy, but there's something really special about being a coach. So how did you end up in this line of work? Yeah, and honestly, I feel like eating disorder recovery coaches are kind of a new thing, which is so wonderful and great. So I even was like, Oh, that's something that like, I can do this is cool. Um, But I I've been an eating disorder recovery coach a little bit over two years now. Um, And I struggled with my own eating disorder for about 10 plus years. Um, And it wasn't until probably the age of like, yeah, I was 24 that I decided to seek out my own eating disorder recovery. I was just so miserable in my Mm -hmm. body and just in my brain and um, worked with a therapist and registered dietitian. And I've always been really interested in like the mental health space. My mom's a pediatrician. Um, I was a teacher and a nanny and I just like love helping and I love learning about like our brain and everything like that. So um, once I recovered from my eating disorder, I was like, oh, a space like just needs so much help. I feel like this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I was connected with now one of my best friends via Instagram and she's a master's level clinician in eating disorder therapy, started her own recovery coaching curriculum because she was starting to see the need for coaches out there as kind of like a supplement with therapists and dietitians um, and trained me underneath that. And yeah, ever since then, I've been a coach and it's been awesome. I absolutely love it. Wow. Could you have ever imagined you were 24 when you started to seek out some help and you had that, that awareness within yourself to realize like, okay, you know what, maybe there's a, a different way where I can go about my day and a different way I can feel about food in my body. But the you like that was in the middle of your ED, could she have ever imagined that this is oh my what gosh. you'd be doing? Like not only that you have a better relationship with food in your body, but that you're in a such a positive place that you're actually Mm -hmm. able to provide support and accountability to other people going through it. 
Absolutely not. Like it's still, it shocks me alone that I like started my own business and I'm really successful in that. Like if you would have told like my younger self, I would have been like, you're absolutely kidding me. Like I was so disorganized all over the place. So um, no, I think it, it just all came so full circle for me with um, my healing. And I just love that I was able to turn a lot of like my pain into my passion Mm-hmm. Um, and help like women around me that struggle with the same thing. It's just so fulfilling. Like when I was younger, I had no, like, I wasn't aware of what my body looked like. <laughs> like it wasn't, it wasn't something that like was a topic of concern for me. It wasn't a topic of conversation. It wasn't something that my friends and I discussed and I just would play outside all the time and I ate when I wanted and stopped when I was full. And um, growing up, though, in my household, even though my family was super supportive and loving, my mother also struggled with an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And the way she talked about her body um, definitely reflected the way I thought about my own body, because Mm -hmm. I thought she was so beautiful and perfect. And then I'm like, wondering, why does she hate her stomach and, you know, talk about her body in that way. And it was never something that she pushed onto us by any means, but it's, it was a learned behavior. I just like started absorbing those thoughts and feelings about my own body. And so there was definitely, you know, those types of conversations that I would overhear and the media at that time was just like so toxic in terms of like the, the images we were seeing, the articles being posted in magazines, like just trashing women's bodies. It was very, that like, like very thin, no butt, no hips, like Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, like type of shapes that I grew up with. And I'm thinking like, Oh my gosh, gosh, we must be, we must be the same age. We must be the same. 31. Yeah. (laughs) 32. 32. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And not that those women aren't beautiful, but I'm like, Oh my God, my body does not look like that. Like this is hot. This is like, who's hot. And so for me, it honestly wasn't until about sixth grade, I had changed a school and the school I was going to before was very diverse. Um, I grew up in a very um, diverse community and the school I started going to is a little bit more predominantly white. Yeah. And I started to notice that the girls that I was going to school with started caring about like what they were wearing and like how they looked. And one girl told me I was too fat to wear leggings. And I was like, I didn't know that was like a thing. Like I was just like, I don't know. I want to wear leggings. And so I think I started to take a little bit more inventory around me. And also my sister who was three and a half years older than me, she was also struggling with her own body image and starting to see like everyone around me start to be so preoccupied with their bodies. And at that point, you know, by the time you're in eighth grade, you're kind of concerned with wanting to be cool and be popular and be envied and have boys like you and all these things. And that wasn't really happening. And I was like, okay, I've been bullied about my weight. I was being bullied by like some of the guys in our friend group. And I remember thinking like, okay, I need to change my body to be cool. Not like these guys are assholes. <laughs> I need to stop being friends with them. Yeah. Um, they, they, these, these mean bullies, they know, they know what they're talking about. I'm going I'm yeah. to change myself to make them. Yeah. Happy. Let me change my whole body <laughs> and like my eating patterns. Yeah. So I think I just became so consumed by it. And at first it started off kind of innocently, I think, and like just trying to like lose some weight. And then once I started to like lose weight, I started to get more attention and people are praising me and all this stuff. And then I embarked on like so many different diets using hydroxy cut, making myself throw up, like trying to like starve myself just like for 10 plus years all through college 
just having this really, really horrible relationship with food in my body and feeling like the, the only way for me to show up in this world and be successful, loved and happy was if I was going to be thin. And the only way for me to like have this happiness and the sex, the success and like all of this, like love and popularity was I needed to be in a thinner body. And mm-hmm. it was just so consuming in my And the shitty thing was, about that is, yeah. is that when you were participating in these unhealthy activities, your weight dropped and then you did receive all kinds of praise and validation. And then it becomes this vicious Mm -hmm. cycle. And if it keeps perpetuating for 10 plus years, you get to a point where, I don't know, it's either you you sink or swim and like you clearly swim, but like it's, it's a bad cycle that we all participate in. Like my, I, myself, like if I know someone's on a health journey, their body starts to change. I'm like, Hey, Mm -hmm. all your hard work is like working. But then I, you know, I think we all have to check ourselves and be like, we got to be cautious because our words have impact. And even if they're well-intended, even if they come from a good place, sometimes Mm -hmm. they can be really triggering for people. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think by the time I was 24, I was like so mentally exhausted with just this like battle with my body. And I got to the point, I was actually a teacher at that point. And I was a second grade teacher and I had a seven-year-old student we were like creating goals for the end of the year. And I remember saying like, my goal is to like get abs. And I was like, girl, we're not talking about like body goals. We're talking about like educational goals here. And <laughs> I was just thinking like, I was like, you want abs? And I was like, oh my gosh, this poor girl is seven years old. I'm talking about some like math goals for the year. And she's talking about getting abs. And I was like, holy shit, this stuff starts so young. And I, I saw it with my mom and I just was like, I, I want to be able to stop this because I'm so uncomfortable. And I was just like, I got to do something about it. And so there was definitely this tipping point and kind of this like light bulb moment where I was like, I don't have to choose to be in this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was already fucking miserable. It's not like I was like happy and thin. I was like absolutely miserable and hungry. So I was like, okay, let's try something else. And you know, that's the thing is I, I've spoken to so many incredible women who like you are open and comfortable sharing their story. And it's this, when you're younger, or actually whatever age you're at, sometimes you think, I'll be happy when I weigh this Always. much, or I'll, I'll finally feel confident when I can fit into X pants size, mm-hmm. or I'll allow myself to book a vacation if I could just yep. drop this much weight. And it's funny, because every person I've spoken to, you know, we set out these goals, we're like, I'll be happy when X. And most of the time, like, that happiness doesn't actually come from that You never goal. get there. No, no, because then you want, you want more. We want more. And so oh, yeah. I lost the 10 else. pounds yeah. and then I wanted to lose 10 more. And then, yeah, yeah it's just like a never ending cycle. And I was so miserable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I even remember reading a diary that I have when I was 14. It was like, I'm going to, um, I'm going to wear this bikini when I lose 10 more pounds and then I'll be happy. And I'm like, God, that's so mm-hmm. depressing. Like, yeah. I'm just like putting my life on hold to, what be 10 pounds lighter like that's ridiculous and at the end of the day like who the fuck cares like we care right but like no we always think people are looking at us judging us and they're dealing with no they're all they're, they're all in their own head yeah exactly it's and funny if someone that around you, you notices yeah. 10 pounds i'm like mm, maybe that's like a person yeah. you don't want to spend time with <laughs> maybe it's time to reevaluate this uh, yeah. social friendship and it's funny that you mentioned bikini at 14 years old i pray i'm terrified i have a box of of diaries and I 
Um, I know one day I need to open them up, but I'm scared. So interesting. Troubled teen. I was like, oh my God, if my mom would have like opened these up, she would have been like, Julia, what (laughs) is going on? Like, I was like very troubled. (laughs) I look at you now, which is amazing. I think the arc of life is is so interesting. So, you know, 24, this seven-year-old who shared that her goal was to have abs sounds like that was the tipping point. And then the healing started. And after, you know, 10 plus years of struggling with an eating disorder, the healing is not overnight. So for anyone who's listening, no. who's like, mm, I'm kind of in it right now. Just mm-hmm. know that healing takes time. It is not linear. Um, there is no, you know, guidebook for it. But for you and your own personal experience, of course, everyone's is different. What was that healing process like to get to where you are now where you are not only, you know, proud of your body as you should be it's amazing but you're also helping other individuals get to a place where they feel confident content and uh just more more certain of their footing in this world yeah honestly i mean and the interesting thing about eating disorder is because i i have a lot of clients that come to me and they're like okay let's book like a three-month package and i'm like okay but you got to know that like full recovery is usually like seven to 10 years. Like it's a really long process, especially if you struggled with it for so long. It's such a complex mental illness. And so it does take a while to kind of unpack everything that you've created for so long. And so for me, a lot of my eating disorder was rooted and everybody's different, but a lot of mine was rooted in this sense of not feeling like enough and not feeling like I was in control of my life. And so I felt like for me to be able to take control, I was like, I need to control like what my body looks like. And then I feel Mm -hmm. like I have like a handle on life. And I also um, experienced some sexual trauma. And so for me, my eating disorder was kind of this safe space for me to go and feel comforted when I was binging. It was like a way for me to kind of dissociate from my body and feel safe. And so a lot of the work I did in therapy was realizing that, okay, while I have some compassion and gratitude for my eating disorder, because it actually protected me in periods of time in my life where I felt unsafe or out of control, I now realize that it's not a helpful way to cope. And I had to now learn how to cope with my emotions that were so uncomfortable in a way that allowed me to feel that my eating disorder was just kind of a way for me to like numb and to zone mm-hmm. out and to just not be present. And while that worked for a little bit of time, it obviously gets exhausting and your body takes a toll. And so I really had to sit in the discomfort of feeling those emotions that I didn't want to feel for so long and going back to those moments that brought me so much pain or trauma and actually talk through and work through those issues. And then in hindsight, I'm like, oh my gosh, my poor little like undeveloped brain was just trying so hard to like protect myself and be safe that I was able to have so much compassion for myself in those moments versus like being so angry that I had an eating disorder. I was like, damn, I was just like doing the best I could with what I had. And now Mm -hmm. that I know better, I like get to choose to do better and like be better to myself and choose to like cope in a healthy way versus an unhealthy way. Damn. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that like your ED for a moment in time was a coping mechanism. Like mm-hmm. it's not oh, yeah. at that time, you and your body were trying to survive Absolutely. in a difficult time. And I think sometimes, you know, there's a lot of shame and guilt when people participate in eating behaviors that maybe don't align with, you know, what they want to be doing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we're just trying to get through it. 
you know, sometimes Absolutely. we're just trying to live life. Like you look at the pandemic, like some people coped with food, some people cope mm-hmm. with a little bit excess wine, like sometimes mm-hmm. we are just coping. And maybe our strategies need to be updated. But at the root, you know, maybe there was some some well intentions. Yeah, you're well intentioned. Absolutely. I was like, I want to be happy and healthy. And what is our media sell us that if you're thin and toned, then you're going to be happy, successful and love. So I was like, I want all that. And I haven't been feeling that. So I I was truly trying my best and in turn developed an eating disorder. But like my intentions were good (laughs) for a while. Yeah. (laughs) And so now, you know, what is your relationship like with your body with food? You know, has it are you in a happy, healthy place now? Is it still a journey? It's time for Chloe's Clarence Pick of the Week. Today, I want to celebrate a good exfoliation moment. You know, when your skin's feeling a little dry, the texture feels a bit off, you're feeling like you just need to slough off the dead cells and welcome in some new ones. Well, Clarence has a wide variety of selections when it comes to exfoliating fresh scrubs. Ooh, 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 I loved trying all of these. There's one called Fresh Scrub, there's one called Pure Scrub, and there's one called Comfort Scrub. They all have a bit of a, a different uh, je ne sais quoi. The Comfort one is, you know, a comforting oil scrub for silky smooth skin. Pure Scrub, it's a foaming one to dislodge and remove impurities. And then the Fresh one is this refreshing cream scrub for soft, supple skin. So really, Like, get yourself the whole collection, have a little buffet of scrubs, and start to exfoliate, darling. Your skin deserves it. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll forever be a journey because Mm -hmm. I think we're going to encounter situations in our life that we're going to always be triggered in and we're always going to be challenged to be pushed back to that space that maybe brings us that quick sense of comfort. I always tell my clients, like, hey, these coping skills that we're learning will maybe make you feel 5% better. Whereas your eating disorder in that moment might make you feel 100% better. So we have to choose like longevity of, okay, if I'm going to choose these healthy coping skills over and over, it'll feel better. If I choose the eating disorder right now, afterwards, I'm probably going to feel like shit. And so for me, I'm at a place where I I would say I'm an intuitive eater. Um, I, I eat what I want when I want. I have a really healthy relationship with movement. I love working out and I don't do it because I hate my body or I want to burn calories or change the way I look. I do it because I feel empowered and strong and really just capable in my body. And I want to show my body gratitude because I'm so able-bodied that I'm like, I want to be able to move in a way that feels good for me. Um, And I still struggle with body image days. Like I'm not, you know, I'm a human. And I think that's part of the human experience is Mm -hmm. we're going to have some days where I'm like, Ooh, I'm feeling like Beyonce. And other (laughs) days we're like, Oh, like, okay, not the best. But I think for me, full recovery is knowing that um, I'm human and that bad body days or moments are normal, but I get to choose how I react to them. And instead of reacting with unhealthy coping strategies, like my eating disorder, I'm going to choose like self care, I'm going to choose to reach out for support, I'm going to choose to nourish my body, I'm going to choose to like move my body in gentle ways and all of these things. And so um, yeah, I feel like I'm at a really content, happy space with my body. Um, But I also know that it's probably going to be challenged if I 
you know, choose to do something like motherhood and you go through a drastic change in what your body looks like, I'm sure that's going to bring up some not so great feelings, seeing how my body changes. Um, But I really just practice a lot of acceptance and more like body neutrality, I think in my life now where I I know my body is like the least important thing about me. It just Mm -hmm. helps me like experience life, but it's not everything. Um, So yeah, it feels, it's a lot less going on in my head than it used to be. I don't know how I dealt with any other life stressors when I had my eating disorder because I I was stressed out all the time. And I'm like, how did I like graduate college? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Your body was just nonstop fight or flight while you're in college. Then you're a teacher. Then you're a nanny. Like (laughs) my nervous system was like shot. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of love that you shared that um, no matter what happens in life, you know, there's going to be stressors and things that maybe take you back and you've got to make a choice. And then you listed this awesome, like self-nourishment menu of non-edible activities that you can do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important for all of us to kind of have that little imaginary list in our back pocket at all times, because sometimes life is going to happen and it's going to kind of push us and maybe go back to those coping mechanisms that aren't yeah. the healthiest for us. But yet there's all these other things that are at our disposal that maybe take a little bit of extra effort um, that can nourish you in ways that maybe food can't, you know, like yeah. calling on your support system, self-care, whatever that looks like for you, movement that makes you feel good. There's so many things we can do. We just need to take a step back make that little list and know that it is always there for us. Yeah, I do that with my clients. Like that's one of the first things we do is make a self-care toolbox. So, you know, my clients and I create a list of like, hey, we're going to create a self-care playlist or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to take 10 breaths or, you know, these things that grounds you in those moments of where you're wanting to react and choose your eating disorder behaviors. You get to go back to your list and be like, okay, I'm going to choose whatever on the menu I want today, that's going to make me feel a little bit more grounded. And when, when you know, you have that available, you don't feel so like uh, at a loss, you don't mm-hmm. feel so confused, man. Not only are you an amazing coach, but you have this wicked social media community that supports you, that vibes with you. And it's easy to see why when you take a look um, at fit, fat and all that, I mean, all that is the perfect way. Cause you really, you could talk about so much on there, but what's that experience been like creating this community, sharing vulnerable parts of yourself, sharing exciting parts of your life and really kind of creating this sense of you're invited, you're welcome. This is a safe space and come as you are because as yeah. you are, it's perfect. Yeah, it's been really interesting because I never really had the intention of becoming an influencer or doing content creation or honestly any of that. It just, it kind of happened as I started sharing my eating disorder recovery. And it really, like that platform really helps me stay accountable in the things I was working on in therapy. Because if I talked about it, then I felt like I had to do it. And so I felt like, and I used to be a beach body coach and do all these things. And so I was my Instagram prior to fit fat and all that was like so toxic (laughs) and so bad. So it's just been this like night and day shift. And I think for me, uh, sharing on social media, I, I want it to be really authentic and I want it to be genuine. And my intention behind sharing what I share is I wish I would have seen some of the things that I talk about or some of my friends in the same space talk about when I was 14, because I think it would have, really saved me to see women with bellies and stretch marks and not perky, perfect boobs and cellulite and all these things. And I, 
I mean, the shit I was seeing, I was like, oh my God, you have to look like a Barbie doll. And now when I like go through my feed that I've curated, I see so many different shapes and sizes and colors. And it's just so awesome to see. And I think for, for me with what I choose to share, I, I want to show the good, the bad, the ugly, the fun. I kind of want to show it all because I mean, Instagram is a highlight reel and most of what we see is what people want you to see. And so I want people to know that, Hey, wow, my life is wonderful and great and privileged. And I'm so grateful. Um, it's also not perfect. And I also cry and I also have bad body days and I also struggle and I've worked really hard to get where I am. And so I really just want to show the like truth behind um, life and just like the human experience. And I think people enjoy that authenticity. Um, and it makes it easy for me because I just get to show up <laughs> as I am and <laughs> don't have to like put on a show. So that's great. You said something that that really hit home. Also, social media, there's so much bullshit on there, but there's also so much It can be on there. so bad, yeah. but so good. It's like but you there can are choose things, what that looks yeah. like. We have to be mindful of what media and things we're consuming. And so we have to be conscious of our consumption on social media. And if at the end of you scrolling on Instagram or TikTok, you're like, damn, I feel kind of like shit about myself. I'm not doing enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough maybe go through and like audit who you're following <laughs> and follow different accounts, follow different people, different women. And like, I know that when I go on social media, I see all my bomb ass friends in different bodies, doing different things, showing different parts of themselves. And we can all be successful in that way. And it's such, such an empowering experience versus mm-hmm. like feeling like I'm not enough. And it's having that ownership and that accountability and knowing like you get to choose your feed and if if you're con- if you're allowing yourself to consume something that doesn't make you feel good, that's on you. That's not on yeah. that's not on Instagram. You know, you you have the power to choose, and like yeah. that's so cool that you have that power. Real talk from Coach Julia. Watch <laughs> out, world. Um, you know, speaking of empowering, exciting content that you can scroll through, you in that awesome bikini, you did a collaboration yeah. and oh my gosh, your, your smile, like the energy that comes through in those images that you shared rocking that, that bikini was just awesome. It was awesome. Oh, especially, you. you know, summer can be not a great season for everyone. Like some people have feelings, they come up, maybe they choose not to go to the beach, but I don't know, like, if everyone could feel what you felt, or at least alluded to feeling in those images, like the world would be an awesome place come summertime. And so funny that you say that, because that was the the day of that photo shoot was, I started my period that morning, I was so bloated, I had the worst cramps. And my boyfriend at the time was like, you know what, this is going to make a really great story. Because usually first day of your period, you're not like, woo, I want to be in a bikini. You know, you're not like, Oh my God, I feel so great. you're like, where's the adult diaper? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh my God, I want baggy sweatpants. I don't want to be in a bikini. And I, the brand that I collaborated with, Kitty and Vibe, is just such an empowering and inclusive brand. And I was just so happy to see the models that I chose feel so good in the same bikini and know that it worked for their body types. Because for me, finding a swimsuit that fit my body growing up was like traumatizing. I remember thinking like, this doesn't fit my body. And if we can change the way we experience like putting on a bikini and like going to the beach and have it be this empowering fun experience, we get a little QR code for a 
a matching playlist that gets to go with the vibe of the swimsuit. Like how fun is that? And it was just such an awesome thing because if like, again, if you would have told my 16 year old self, you're going to like help design a bikini, I would have been like, okay. Um, It was just so, it was so awesome to, to be a part of that. And of all the things you've accomplished, whether it's as a coach, as an individual human doing these great collabs, getting to work with incredible women, what kind of tops the list of things you're most proud of? Oh man, I think there's so much. And I think I'm really, really grateful for the relationship that I have with my partner. I've had so many toxic relationships. And I think I put a lot of self-worth into being chosen by a man and being wanted by a man and hoping that someone chooses me and feeling like I needed to be something. Um, and when I met Carl, I we've been together for, it'll be two years in November. Um, I had just gotten out of a really toxic relationship and I'm just so proud of like the personal work I've done in terms of therapy and coaching and all of these things to get me to a place to have the communication I have with him and to be open. Um, because I think a lot of my eating disorder stemmed from feeling like I couldn't be emotional, that I couldn't be sensitive, that I couldn't, um, talk about things that triggered me or stressed me out. And we have such a beautiful relationship where I feel like I can tell him anything and he's not going to bat an eye. And I think that just goes to show you how much work we've done on ourselves individually. And I'm just really proud of myself for like creating a business that's as successful as it is. I was like someone that was paycheck to paycheck, like really struggling. Um, And now I have a six figure business, which is just like so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And like your business is something you could go to sleep feeling so fucking Uh, proud of. You know what I mean? Like it's not like you just feel so good about it. Like you get, you do good stuff daily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels so good. And like, I, I think in the next coming months, I'm going to like shift into some new things, which I'm really excited about. And I just, I, that's what I love about being an entrepreneur and like a business owner is like, you can do whatever idea comes in your fucking head, which is so great. Oh, and you can wear overalls while you're doing it. Right. right? I can't help but fall in love with. You get a tattoo on a Wednesday. (laughs) Actually, you, yeah, you just got a tattoo. It's so beautiful. It's like a gorgeous female figure. And it is, I I saw on your social, it represents like self-love. Is that right? Yeah. It's just like a curvy woman's body. And it's my logo for my business. And I remember just seeing that and being like, oh, that's like such a beautiful tattoo. But I couldn't. I just like was too insecure in my body to get anything like that. And finally I was like, you know, I'm going to fucking do it. So (laughs) yes. And before we wrap up, you know, for anyone who is feeling insecure in their body, maybe it's been years in the making. Maybe today is one of those bad body days. uh, What's something you recommend that they can try out? Maybe shift that mindset a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that, me and my clients work on is like having compassion for yourself. Like it's okay to have bad body days. It's okay to have unhelpful thoughts. Um, But if you were to talk to yourself or if you were to talk to someone the way you were talking to yourself and it would be shocking to you, or you'd be like, Oh my God, that sounds like a really bitchy thing to do. Maybe you need to put yourself in check. And um, I think the biggest thing for me is like writing down your thoughts and feelings and not having shame for them. And if you're feeling like, 
I can't do this alone and I'm feeling just out of control or I'm just feeling really lost. There are so many people out there that want to help you and having a support system is going to be so helpful Um, and know that you're not alone in feeling these things. Um, Eating disorders and body image issues are like one of the biggest things I see with women. Um, So I guarantee the woman sitting next to you is probably struggling with something similar. So know that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to feel what you're feeling, but you deserve to feel good and happy in your body. Yes. And if you can do it after 10 plus years struggling with an eating disorder, then anyone can get through it. We are so capable. We're more capable than we give ourselves credit. 100%. Yeah, and I my my favorite quote is like I'm capable of doing hard things. It's oh. simple and it's easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard shit. Here we come. We got this. Yep. And lastly, I always like to end the podcast the same way. So this is, of course, the Healthiest Hot podcast. And the beauty of Healthiest Hot is that health looks and feels different for every single person. So for you, what does Healthiest Hot mean? It could be a mantra, a slogan, Mm. uh, what your philosophy is with your coaching practice. Yeah, I think for me, like healthy is hot would definitely mean not only taking care of your physical body by nourishing it and moving it in a way that feels good for you, but also taking care of your mental health. I think our media puts too much pressure on needing to look a certain way, but if the shit is not right in your brain, then you're not going to feel good as a whole. So I always tell my clients that if you're having body image issues, it's not a body thing, it's brain thing. Um, and yeah, I, taking care of your mental health is yeah. like super attractive. <laughs> uh, it's very sexy and hot. Actually, I always like to think that like if healthy is hot was this big, beautiful house, mental health is the foundation. Like we need one to build our, our dream. So it's like when Carl told me pillow. he was in therapy, I was like, oh my God, best <laughs> foreplay. You're like, I love you. I think I just yep. fell in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just fell in love with you though, for real. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Congratulations on everything. We will make sure to put your IG and website down below for anyone who's curious to learn more, maybe even for some coaching work. Um, Your website is, is amazing as well. It's so incredibly informative. So all our HIH listeners definitely go check it out. And thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Well, 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 who else is feeling fired up and inspired after that chat? Yeah, same here. I can't believe I'm saying this, but just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast in the books. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. And look, if you enjoyed this, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a cute little comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. We'll see you next week. Brought to you by Clarence.